0: Episode 58, Detour in the Desert. When the wandering was finally over and the morning of Aaron was completed, the Israelites were once again ready to enter the Promised Land. But they ran into some issues. First, the King of Arad comes and attacks the Israelites, capturing some of them in the raid. And then on top of that, the Israelites' plan of entry into the Promised Land had changed, adding weeks, if not months, to the travel time. Welcome to the History of the Bible. In the last episode, we witnessed the death of both Aaron and Miriam. Now, it's only Moses left from the original leadership. When Aaron died, the Israelites stayed at Mount Hor for 30 days to mourn him. With the death of two out of the three leaders, it must mean that the Israelites were getting close to stepping into the long-awaited promised land. Mount Hor is in the Negev Desert, so they didn't get too far from where they were wandering around in the desert. It was during the time in the Negev things began to change. While in the desert at Mount Hor, the Israelites were mourning the loss of Aaron from their community. It was while they were staying at Mount Hor, mourning the loss of Aaron, that the beginning of taking over the promised land would happen. While at Mount Hor on their way to the mountain, or after leaving the mountain, the Canaanites, a king of the city-state in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were on the move, and decided to attack. In Numbers 21, verse 1, it says that when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were coming by the way of Athram, Then he fought against the Israelites and took some of them captive. This would be the same Canaanites that drove out the Israelites before they began their wanderings in the wilderness. Remember when the Israelites decided to try to take the land after the Lord told them that they would all die in the wilderness? They went up and attacked the Canaanites. These were the same people that they attacked all those years ago. So instead of waiting to be attacked, the Canaanites heard that the Israelites were traveling the Athram Road and decided to attack. The Athram Road, or the Way of the Athram, can be translated to mean the Way of the Spies. This causes many to believe that they were traveling the route that the spies took into the land of Canaan. This would mean that the Israelites were heading north, and because of that, the Canaanites were seeing the Israelites march straight towards them. No wonder they attacked. However, the last we saw of the Israelites, they were heading east towards the land of Edom, not north. And that is why they asked Edomites for permission to pass through their land. This is why the Way of the Athram is believed to be another name for the king's highway or at least a road that was often traveled on by caravans traveling from the kingdoms in the north to Egypt in the south to trade goods. Now, it's difficult to know if the name Arad was the name of an actual city or if it was the name of the region, because Numbers 21 verse 3 refers to the Canaanites and their cities. It could be that Arad was the capital and all the surrounding cities were under its influence. Because at this time in history, most of the tribes and nations of the land, if not all, were living in city-states. This would mean that Arad was in some way a city-state that had control over other cities within its regions. Many scholars say that Arad is the city that has been named today Tel Arad. Tel Arad is located 17 miles south of Hebron, which means that it was located in the northern section of the Negev, closer to the hill country than the desert. The only issue with believing that this city is the city of Arad, from which the Canaanites came to attack the Israelites, is that no excavations are showing any remains to have been found during the time of the exodus of the Israelites. Only two time periods have been excavated from the site at Tellarad. From the period 2800 to 2600 BC, the city was strongly fortified. In the upper and lower parts of the city, walls surrounded both that were eight feet thick. Every 65 to 80 feet of the walls had a semicircle tower. A very well defended city. The population of the city at this time is believed to be around 2,500 people. The other period wouldn't be for hundreds of years later, when the city was occupied by the Israelites and a fortress was built in the city. Occupation of this city by the Israelites was during the time in the reign of the kings of Judah, long after the Israelites showed up from Egypt and their wanderings in the wilderness. If it wasn't Tel Arad, then where did the Canaanites come from to attack the Israelites? This is why other scholars believe that instead of it being Tel Rad, was a region or district, and the capital was Horma. Horma is a name that the Israelites used to describe what happened there. More on that in a second. But the city known to history is Tel Telmahada has many cities' remains that have been discovered from the period of the Israelites and their wanderings from the desert. Talmahata is believed to be the capital of the Ariad kingdom, or a city-state which ruled the northern areas of the Negev. It was this city-state that held off the attack of the Israelites from coming into the land before they began their wanderings in the desert. The same city-state would hear that the Israelites were traveling east towards Edom and instead of waiting for the Israelites to attack, the Kingdom of Arad attacked the Israelites. Nothing is known about this battle, and in reality it seems to be more so of a raiding party rather than two tribes going to battle. Because the King of Arad attacked the Israelites while they were on the road, heading east to the land of Edom. Here the king of Arad captured some of the Israelites. That was all that the battle was. A fight happened between the two and the king of Arad took captives. But the Israelites were not going to let this be. Instead of continuing their journey east, they stopped and sought the Lord on what to do. The Israelites vowed to the Lord, saying in Numbers 21 verse 2, that if the Lord would give the Canaanites into their hands, they would utterly destroy them and all of their cities. This would not have been all of the Canaanites, but only the kingdom of Arad and its cities. So the Lord gave the people of Arad over to the Israelites so that the Israelites would defeat the people of Arad and destroy all of their cities. This would happen at Horma. Now, Horma is the name that the Israelites gave the place. In Hebrew, it means destruction. This is a city known to history as tel After the Israelites defeated the king of Arad, they would then begin their journey around the land of Edom because the Edomites said that they were not allowed to cross their land. The Israelites, they had to travel south to the Gulf of Aqaba, the direction of the Red Sea. We can always rely on the Israelites to complain. People became impatient with the journey, so they spoke against God and Moses with the same adage, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? The people were again complaining about the situation they were in, with no food or water. However, in their complaints to Moses, they said they had no food, and in the same sentence, they said they hated the food that they did have. You see, God was still providing manna for them so that they would be fed in their travels. We have to remember though, the people that were now complaining to Moses and God about their situation and wanting to go back to Egypt had never been to Egypt. They only heard about it from their parents. Their whole life they had only known what it was like to eat just manna and quail. It has been suggested that it wasn't just the thought of going back to Egypt with the good foods that made the Israelites complain. Often, it is thought that because the Israelites didn't like the idea of having to travel all the way around the Edomites, which is heading south for a couple of days, and then heading north on the opposite side of the land of Edom by another couple of days. Then the Israelites would continue north until they reached the place where they would cross into the promised land, from the east. We would think that it wouldn't take too long to make the trip around the land of Edom. However, the trip from that time Aaron died to the time that the Israelites crossed over into the promised land ended up being about 9 months. That's getting ahead of ourselves. Right now, the Israelites didn't understand the thought of going all the way around the land of Edom and then coming into the promised land from the east. If they crossed the Edomites' land, it would save them a couple weeks of travel time. Or better yet, they had just come from the victory over the kingdom of Arad, which is actually on the border of the promised land. So they were already next to the promised land on the south side. So why not just push up into the Hebron hills and begin the possession of the land? These are all thoughts that could have been going on through the Israelites' minds when they heard that they were taking the long way around the land of Edom. So, of course, they complained. Most likely, it would have been traveling north after rounding the land of Edom and while in the desert, the Israelites would have begun complaining. Although, some scholars believe it happened as soon as they heard the plan of traveling south. Either way, the Israelites complained, pointing out any negative that they could. This, of course, would start with the food and then the water. They had enough of both because the Lord was still providing for them. So to get rid of the rebellion and those that complained, the Lord sent into the camp serpents. In Numbers 21 verse 6, it says that the Lord sent in fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many of the Israelites died. Many believed that the serpents were referred to as fiery because of the bite that was left on the person. Other translations of the Bible say venomous serpents rather than fiery. This would mean that most likely the snake would have been a carpet viper, a highly poisonous viper known to live in Africa in the Middle East. However, it is believed that the word fiery is a word that is originally Egyptian because the serpents that glowed like fire, or spitfire, were a symbol of the Egyptians at the time. Egyptian literature depicts fiery serpents protecting the king of Egypt and the nation itself. This would mean that the serpent most likely looked like the images of the Egyptian serpents, which would mean that they were fiery-looking serpents. They could have glowed like fire irony of the situation is that an image and symbol of Egypt, which is where the Israelites wanted to return to, would be the very thing that would attack them and cause many of the Israelites to die. When the serpents came into the camp and people began to die from the bites, the Israelites came up to Moses to repent of the complaining that they had done. Therefore, they asked Moses to pray for them that the Lord would take away the snakes. The Lord would then speak to Moses with a solution. In Numbers 21 verse 8, the Lord tells Moses to make a serpent, not like the one he did back in Egypt with his staff. No, this one was to be made out of bronze or copper. You see, the word bronze can also mean copper in the Hebrew language. The area in which the Israelites were currently passing through, around the Edomites, were copper mites. Temples and tombs in this area all have similar types of serpents found within them. The Egyptian kings also had smaller-sized snakes and serpents that would be designed into the headdresses, believing it would bring them protection as well as symbols of fertility. Why would God have Moses make an image of a serpent and place it on a pole so that whoever looked at it would be healed of their bite? especially an image that was found and used in both Egyptian and Canaanite religion to represent their deities. On top of that, the Greeks used this image, or something very similar to it, to represent medicine. There are two images that the Greeks used that are associated with medicine. The first is a staff with two snakes coiled around it, with a set of wings at the top. This would be the symbol referred to as caduceus. and was the symbol of the god Hermes. It would become known to be associated with medicine. There is another symbol from the Greeks that represents medicine. It is a staff with a single snake foiled around it. This would be the staff of Asclepius, Greek god of medicine. Though the Greeks would use it as a sign many years later, than the Israelites in their Exodus. Even though the Greeks would pick up the symbol later on, the Canaanites and Egyptians were already using it for medicinal and protection symbols. The Egyptians and the Canaanites used the symbol of a copper snake as a way for people to be healed. They believed the image itself, along with a few spells and enchantments, would heal them as it represented an aspect of a deity. With the Israelites, though, they only had to look at the copper serpent on the pole. and They would be healed. This could be because God was using a symbol of the Egyptians, the land to which the Israelites wanted to return to, to show them that God was a provider and healer. Rather than relying on magic and spells to perform healing, they only had to look towards the serpent to be healed. As to why the Lord used an image that was known to the Egyptians and the Israelites to be a sign of healing isn't fully known. However, looking at the past for the Israelites, the Lord often did two things with the laws, images, and tradition of other cultures. He would use it to show the Israelites and Egyptians that the thing they trusted in was not nearly as powerful as the one true God. This can be seen in the plagues in Egypt. Each one was an attack on a god or goddess, which was thought to control the thing that the Lord brought upon them. Other reason that God used things from other cultures was to redeem it for the correct purpose, although this was often the case with laws rather than images. The fiery serpents were symbols of Egypt that were supposed to protect Egypt the land that the Israelites thought was safe. The copper serpent and staff was also a symbol of Egyptian medicine. However, the Lord controlled both the fiery serpents and the healing. The fiery serpents were sent in by the Lord to remove the rebels from the camp, and then a copper serpent was used to bring healing to those that got bit. Unlike the other surrounding nations, The healing didn't come from the serpent on the pole. It was the fact of them looking upward at the serpent and recognizing that it was the Lord that brought the healing. This is why the people were healed. In both of the images, the Lord showed that the Israelites that he was the ultimate power, healer, and provider. Not these images or the Egyptians. So though the Israelites complained about wanting to go back to Egypt, the Lord showed himself stronger than the images and the things of Egypt. When the Israelites had the responsibility to look up at the copper serpent that Moses had made, the effects of the serpent bites would go away and they would live. From here, the Israelites would make their journey around the land of Edom and come up into the land of the Amorites, east of the Promised Land. So join us next time in episode 59, The Trans Jordan Journey. Until next time, remember that you are loved, special, and worthwhile.